Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I've been looking forward to today's uh, podcast for a long time. Um, Crispin Mayfield is my guest, and he's written a book called Attached to God. Interesting title, huh? Um, Recently, I've been delving into attachment theory just because of some podcasts I've been listening to and personal work that I've been doing, family of origin stuff, and, and also just, you know, in my marriage and like thinking, scratch head thinking, what's my attachment style? Oh, well, let's look into that. And then I see this book attached to God. Well, I think we need to talk to Crispin. And so here he is on the podcast today. Um, Crispin has a background in full-time ministry and now is in private practice as a licensed professional counselor in Oregon, where he and his wife DL live with their children. Um, and he's trained in attachment-based emotional, emotionally focused therapy. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, he's also served for over 10 years in church trauma recovery programs. Oh boy. Uh, maybe we'll ask him about that too. <laughs> and, uh, he's a writer, a podcaster, speaker, um, and we are delighted. And when I say we, I mean, you and me, we're all happy that he's here <laughs> on the podcast. So Crispin Mayfield, welcome to Faith Conversations. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and talking about my favorite topic, which is attachment and what it means for faith. Well, we're going to delve into that um, in just a moment. I have to ask you about um, your years in in church trauma recovery programs. What what exactly well, is that, and what does that look like? So actually, this was a question that that um, they asked about uh, when they were writing this is like, it's actually like uh, trauma recovery with uh, within the church, not from the church. Um, so like abuse recovery in church, like a, a church small group setting. That being said, um, I, I am actually part of a, a group of um therapists where we consult together talking about religious and church trauma. And, um, and that's where a lot, I don't come right out and say that uh, at the front of this book, but that is a lot of um, where I'm coming from in this book. So if you um, have felt like you've had a difficulty, like making sense of like, why is this faith that is supposed to be a positive thing in my life? Why has it been negative, whether it's like the theology or the, the church you're a part of, et cetera. Um, that's a lot of what I aim to do in the book is to be able to say, well, it actually, um, you know, when you're given these ideas or these messages, it is actually going to be harmful, even if it's trying to be positive. Mm. I think a lot of people listening can relate to what you just said (laughs) and have have just uh, sat up a little taller in their chair, or maybe they're running a little faster if they're listening while they're jogging. Um, So I think it's really interesting that you uh, are, well, even that you 
I have this training in attachment-based emotionally focused therapy, but that you have translated that into a book titled Attached to God. Um, I, I think I've just more recently become aware of how the way we attach our, our, you know, attachment style, how important that is. And I, I have to say at 61, sometimes I'll kind of scratch my head and go, really, really, am I just now learning this? But, you know, we're constantly learn, learning and that's okay. Many years ago, I actually did a series of radio programs on attachment style and marriage therapy. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what my attachment style is, but this is really important. I'm pretty sure. So let's keep talking about it. Didn't yeah. figure it out until this year. Uh, I guess I wasn't <laughs> ready then. <laughs> so, so I know what my attachment style is. Um, you have done something which I think is super helpful. You've maybe even grouped some of these together in a way that makes sense spiritually in how we connect with and attach to God. Is that correct? Yeah. And a lot of it is looking at, we, we have these patterns of uh, the relationships with the people in our life. And so you have, um, you know, some of us, myself included, can be more on the clingy end. Um, some of us are more standoffish. Um, there's a lot of other uh, ways, ways to approach it. But what we find is that um, actually the same part of our brain comes into play when it comes to relationship with God. And that can be different than the theology we believe, the thoughts we have about God. Um, our attachment system comes on. This It's this part of our brain that has learned early on. This is how I keep my relationships, this is how I connect people. And that, again, that shows up with the way that we relate to God as well. And um and we haven't spent a lot of time in the church talking about that. We've talked uh, quite a bit about getting the right theological information, but not always talking about, um, you know, the way that I talk to as a couples therapist, you know, I sit down with couples and say, okay, well, let's talk about this relationship. How does it work? What are, what are the emotions here? What are the ways that you connect? And so I just basically said, well, let's take this couples work uh, to relationship with God. <laughs> What what got you to do that? I mean, was it just talking to so many people in your practice and you thought, hey, this I we should be able to take a look at this as it relates to God, or was it something personal to you? Oh, definitely that got you? personal. Tell, tell us. Is, I think we need to yeah. hear that. I think that's helpful. Yeah. One thing that um really stood out to me is that I was looking at these attachment styles, and this actually was uh, several years ago before I was even trained in couples therapy um, and looking at and, and, and seeing that when infants, so one-year-olds, what they found um, looking at infants was that um, certain if in, if infants, if they felt like it's up to me to keep connection with my mom, it's up to me to maintain this relationship. They actually were pretty anxious. Um, they would even have like stress hormones going on in their body. A lot of the time um, it was really hard to focus on anything else other than I just need to keep close to mom. Um, in contrast to the kid that's like, you know, I know my mom's there for me. I can go play with the toy trucks or I can go play with the dolls. And I know that mom isn't going to leave the moment I turn my back. And for me, it was like, I could not think of a better metaphor 
for the way that I felt in my faith life, <laughs> mm. um, recognizing like it just feels all the time like it's up to me to keep connection with God and keep closeness. And it leads to this sort of perfectionism. And what was so helpful to me was to read the science that says, yeah, if if these are the terms of the relationship that you're given, these are one-year-olds. So this isn't like you consciously being like, I'm going to be anxious. This is just in some way you could say, this is the way that your body responds to a relationship like this. And so it really was validating to me to know, okay, so I have this anxiety about my relationship with God all the time. That makes sense if this is uh, what I was told, that it's up to you to keep closeness with God, which then invited, like, spurred me on to ask, like, so if there's no rest here, if this is just anxiety, like something's something's uh, gone awry because I'm promised over and over in scripture that there's, you know, peace and that there's rest and God values rest. Uh, you know, we think about uh, Sabbath. And so that made me want to go back to scripture and be like, did I miss something here? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's so good. I love <laughs> that you went you know, paid attention to the human relationships and started paying attention, thinking about how we connect with God. Um, and I think, yeah, cause I think we can really struggle. And I, and I think especially I would say in the evangelical church, Catholic church too, for sure, both it, we're all, it's always, uh, do something more, you know, you'll connect with uh -huh. God if you just, uh, pray more or harder mm -hmm. or do mm -hmm. more, fear more, do, you know, surely God will be with me then. Mm -hmm. Or it, it's, and sometimes we don't even come by that. Sometimes it's not even said to us overtly, but somehow we just soak that in, um, in the atmosphere mm -hmm. of whatever worship scenario we are a part of. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I, I think that, you know, pastors and, and priests and spiritual leaders are really doing their best to shepherd their congregations in the way that they know how. What I think gets missed sometimes is the diversity of people that are hearing it. Uh, and I know in the evangelical church, I've sat through quite a few um sermons where kind of the message is like, you're not as good as you think you are. Um, you know, I, I'm going <laughs> to knock you down a couple Ooh, of pegs and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and, um, you know, coming at that from the most empathic way possible, uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt, maybe that's what that pastor needed to hear. Um, <laughs> maybe, um, that pastor does need to hear, Hey, like, you, um, you know, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. Um, Jesus, you know, routinely said those kind of messages to the religious leader. So, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad message, but if you are the pastor and you're up front and you're telling that message to the person that's sitting in the back, right. that's right. struggling with anxiety or depression or trauma yes. and already feel so terrible about themselves, Yes. That's not actually good news for that person. And, no. and, you know, again, if we look at those like dynamics with Jesus, the people that were most marginalized, Jesus wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to tell you how bad you are. Right. Jesus did the exact opposite. I love and that. And so I think that's where we get. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, say that's that where the- we get those messages yeah, um, in the church, yeah. you know, is yeah. like, it's it sometimes unintentional, but it just, we hear it enough and it just lands in this way that maybe isn't even intended. Sometimes yeah. it is. Um, but it's, we, yeah. we pick up this baggage along the way and it really forms the way that we relate to God. I want to say to pastors, know your audience, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's what it reminds me of. Um, you say in the book, and I mean, this says it so well, and huh, no, no wonder because you wrote it. Attachment styles are the profiles of our basic approach to relationships. They are the pattern of how we seek and maintain closeness and connection. And we all desire we, we want that. I mean, I want that connection. We all want that connection. We are built for that, made for that connection. So mm-hmm. let's start talking about um, and have you introduce us to this, the different styles. Um, you outline them in the book. What, what is the attachment styles and the spectrum of styles you talk about? Um, and that's a good place for us to, to start with this, I think. Yeah. And one thing that I would want to say going into this is um, in a lot of places, attachment styles have been equivalent to personalities. And what I think is most helpful, especially when it comes to this, is to recognize this is more your strategy. This is your the way you do relationship. Um, because what you might find as I talk through these is you're like, oh, I use all of these strategies. <laughs> how, how can all of these things apply to me? Um, so I just want to say that from the outset, because uh, sometimes people, you know, feel a little lost when it's like, wait, I, all of these things apply to me. So the first one is an anxious attachment style. And that's what we've been describing here is if it feels like it's up to me to keep connection then I have to do it perfectly or I have to check. This could be um, that person in your life that's like really clingy or maybe you're that person. It's like, all right, I texted you 10 minutes ago and you haven't texted back. What's wrong? And (laughs) uh, from the outside, you're like, why are you so needy? Why are you so clingy? From the inside, what that means is I don't expect that you were in this too with me. Um, I, I can't really trust that other people love me and want to stick around. So if there's a problem, I need to fix it right away. I need to know and I need to fix it. And if there's any sort of like little rupture, all the alarm bells go off in my head saying something's wrong here. You got to fix it. You got to fix it. And when we take this approach to God, it can be, you know, what's the sin in my life? Like, uh, am I hearing from God? Am I doing enough, um, et cetera? And, and I think this message comes out in actually, I would say like all faith traditions. Um, one thing that I've noticed that's different between Catholicism and evangelicalism is that Catholicism has been around long enough to start to recognize that. And they have some language like scrupulosity. Oh, um, not everyone, but there are priests out there that, you know, can have kind of an eye for some of that religious OCD of like, you know, the, the person that feels like they need to come into confession every day. Um, you know, the priest will be like, Hey, like, yeah, you know, within our tradition, we know about people like this and we know how to give some spiritual guidance around this. What I find in the evangelical church is 
if there's a person that takes that approach, it's like all all the more power to you. Just, you know, we venerate the people exactly. that are right that are like you know killing themselves trying to keep this connection with God. I had a boss once <laughs> that said. Oh, I'm going to work hard until I die for Jesus. And I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. There's something wrong with that phrase right. and picture altogether. Uh-huh. You know, and, and of course right. it was said with the expectation that I would do the same for the company too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, I can't. I'm, I, and, and sadly, I was, I was already, do, I was already doing it. I couldn't do anymore. I was already killing, my, killing myself because I didn't know any better. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Walter Brueggemann is one of my favorite Old Testament scholars, and he points out that what is really unique about the nation of Israel is that they have a have a Sabbath day. So when God says, "I'm setting up a new nation that is my chosen nation that is to reflect me in the world," one of the most particular things about that nation is that they actually rest, unlike pharaoh in egypt where it's always more 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 and so if you find yourself in a faith where it's like i can never rest then we have to recognize oh well that seems really different than the heart of god actually thank you thank you well said so that's uh you 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 talked about anxious uh, attachment style Uh so what's what's next So then there's shutdown, which is um, if you're familiar with attachment styles, we also could call this avoidant or dismissive. Um, And that's because you tend to be avoidant and dismissive of your emotions and your relationships. Um, So you tend to be the person that's like, I'm dependent. I don't need other people, you know, <laughs> I, I can do it myself. And, and this feels paradoxical to people. Like, why is this a way of keeping connection? Why is this a strategy? But if you think about if you grew up in a family where if you were sad or you were scared, <laughs> um, you didn't have a parent that would give you a hug. Maybe you had a parent that was like, you'll be fine. Just, yeah. just, you know, pull it together. Yeah. Uh huh. Exactly. You know, I I will say like I see this um, doing couples therapy. I see this maybe most um, with boomer men, white men, um, because that's the message that you were given in the you know probably 50s, 60s, 70s. I don't know if I'm getting my generations right. Yeah. No. You're you know you're you're a boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're you're a boy, and so you learn early on. Yeah. My emotions lead to dinner. If I actually share my vulnerable emotions, other people are going to, are going to reject me or judge me or push me away. And so then you grow up and then you have, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I'll add that. I think you, you'll have a good amount of women from that era. Uh, Now, not all certainly, but, but the reason that women might as well is that in that era, and especially in the evangelical church, men are better men are all the leaders. Mm. So, you, so, mm. you know, I, I want to, I want to be like the, the guys, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be able to be a leader or something or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, so I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to be emotional or I'm going to stuff those, or I think it was taught even across the board, but, but probably more men, but I'll say you'll, you've got mm-hmm. some women in there too, because of that fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and, I'll throw my field under the bus here. Um, (laughs) 
also during those those years um psychology was really into um you know ignore your emotions suppress your emotions um in favor of truth um that's cognitive behavioral therapy okay and um and that's where there was a lot of self-help that kind of fit into that and the church found oh this is something actually that you know unlike freud we can actually get behind this because the idea is if you believe the true thing, then you won't feel worried or you won't feel sad. Um, Is that so, like what James what Dobson we, stuff would have been kind of? I think so. Yeah. Somewhat mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. We, which um, we, a lot yeah. Of and even. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So it, it makes a lot of sense that that we were doing, you know, making this attempt at if I just can think the right thoughts, then I won't have these bad emotions. Um, and yeah, it just makes a lot of sense that in the church, especially there's been um, uh, highlighting of, you know, your faith is a way of sort of conquering your emotions. I would, and so I would, what we learn there. Yeah. yeah how would uh, you put go, it? Go ahead. No, go ahead. What we learned there. I'll let you finish <laughs> that thought. <laughs> well, I, I, I think then what we learn is that, um, yeah, if I'm going to be close to God, if I'm going to be faithful, my these emotions are not okay. I need to I need to overcome these emotions if I'm going to get close to God. If I'm worried or sad, that means there's something wrong with my faith. So I I would just the only thing I was going to say is as I read this in in your book uh, under shutdown, you know, is uncomfortable with closeness. Uh, this next one seeks head knowledge to feel to feel connected to God. And I think that's right in the center of uh, what I was taught growing up in evangelicalism, you know, all, all head. I mean, I Bible, 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 you know, and in and of itself, it's not bad, but when it is all and everything, (laughs) it's all stuck up here in the head. I mean, you could cut me off at the, you know, cut my head (laughs) off and I'd still be walking around with all this knowledge, but (laughs) um, sadly not, not, not the other things that really uh, help in a relationship, you know? So I think many of us taught that the knowledge was it. Mm -hmm. And I think about my own experience of um, growing up in the church and going to Bible college. And I think maybe a really clear picture of that is reading the Psalms to see like, what's the, what's the um, didactic theological statements we can get out of this which is, I'm mentioning that because the Bible actually is full of emotion. There are all these ways to emotionally engage with the text. I think part of that's why Jesus told stories is to get this evocative, uh, you know, what's it feel like to, to, you know, for you to work, you know, less than the other people and still get paid the same, um, you know, and what we did in my upbringing was like, okay, well, let's just like look at this analytically and see what can we systematically understand. Well, and this is making so much sense. I, I have um, someone in my life that, that said, I, I, I don't want to read the gospels. I mean, what on earth do I do with Jesus? And, and I'm now realizing thinking about this person that because there, there are too many questions asked too many opportunities to actually feel and, I don't, that just makes me anxious. I don't want to do that. You know, I am just realizing that that's, um, a part of that and that, and some of that teaching that came through the, the evangelical church, especially that's so interesting. Right. 
Yeah. And the last thing I want to mention about that, we, we kind of hit on this, but the, you know, these are not like cold hearted people. This is like, if I never had people in my life to, to listen to my emotions, to help me make sense of them, to be accepted, you know, when I'm sad, I, I get a hug. It just makes so much sense that you would orient your life around avoiding the emotions. And yeah. so yeah. I think that part is important to recognize. Like this, this comes from a, a place of trying to keep connection. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's helpful. So, so we've um, heard about anxious and shutdown attachment styles. Um, what's the, what's the third one? The third one is shame filled. Mm. And this, yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this um, in the, in the human world is a pretty small percentage of uh, in human to human relationships. It's a pretty small percentage. And this is typically kids that um, have gone through abuse or emotional neglect. And what it is, is we have this strong drive to connect with our parent, to get close to them, um, to connect with them. And if your parent harms you, which is, you know, so tragic, then you're stuck. You get stuck in this place of, I want to get close to my parent, but I'm afraid that if I get close, I'm going to get hurt um, or I might get um, verbally abused. I might, you know, they might lash out at me. Um, and I, I just want to say here, like, you know, every parent has their bad days. Um, I'm talking about this is so consistent that this is what the kid comes to expect is that harshness. Um, and so then what you end up with is this feeling of like, well, there must be something wrong with me, something at my core that is wrong, because this person that's supposed to love me doesn't love me. And as adults, we can say, well, that's, that, that's the problem with the parent. But as a kid, it's like, no, I must be the problem. I'm unlovable. And what really stood out to me as I was reading this is, sadly, this is the emotional experience of myself with God. Um, but I think a lot of people, which is, yeah, I want to be close to God. I want this connection. And yeah, I'm worried that I'm not holy enough. Um, I'm not good enough to get close to God. And, um, and so then it's like, well, maybe I can at least kind of keep this connection with God by telling God, I know I'm horrible. I know I'm terrible. I know I'm unlovable. Um, and then maybe God will sort of like take pity on me and come close. Um, but really what we find is that that just reinforces, um, you know, the self-hatred. And, um, and if you've been a part of a, a community like that and you're like, yeah, it, I mean, it makes sense. We are horrible. God is good. Um, I just want to throw uh, one of my Henry Nowen or uh, Henri Nowen, um, who is a Catholic, who was a Catholic uh, embraced by a lot of evangelicals, yeah. um, talks about the spiritual life, the kind of the core of the spiritual life is actually pushing away the bad things that we, are, you know, tell ourselves about ourselves. 
and accepting that God sees us as beloved and delights in us. Um, but that's so far from the experience many of us have had in the church is this idea of you're disgusting, but God loves you anyway. Isn't God really great? <laughs> and uh, that does make God sound really great and loving. But unfortunately, what happens is then we end up, you know, kind of the worst of it is we end up hating ourselves. Mm. Um, and it's really hard to, um, that's not a healthy place to be in a secure relationship. And what we also find is that when we have that approach to ourselves, it's also harder to learn because Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, then it's going to be hard to love your neighbor as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me how we've misunderstood the the greatest commandment for, uh, for what, forever, I guess, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for mentioning that. And, and uh, that's, yeah. that's so good. I, I also want to say this, that you have um, a wonderful test that people can go through um, in the book where they can help determine if you don't just read the descriptors of the attachment styles that Crispin just um, outlined for us, anxious, shut down and shame filled, you can go through and take the, the test and, and determine your attachment style that way, which can be really helpful and, and then read further about, you know, what that all means. Certainly. Uh, I'm thinking, even as I was hearing you respond and, and tell what the different attachment styles were, I'm thinking, wait a minute, why does someone become a licensed therapist, a counselor? Uh, you know, there's always a story there. <laughs> what, what, how did you even decide to move that direction in your education? Yeah, I actually started out as a, um, having a major in Bible and pastoral ministry. Ah. Um, and then after the, the beginning of my second year, I started into a, like a preaching class and I was like, oh, this is not what I wanted. To do. <laughs> um, and at that time in particular, what I was noticing is uh, this was um, early 2000s. Church growth models were, were huge. So there was this idea of being a pastor is building this organization and, and heading the ship, right? Where you can, you're trying to get as many people in the door as possible. And, uh, and I thought, I, I just want to have important conversations with people. And so, um, say so that again, that important conversations of, <laughs> that kind of blurred on the podcast that, yeah. Oh I yeah. To get that I, out there. Um, yeah. I wanted to have important conversations with people. And the other thing that really stood out to me, um, even, even, uh, um, in high school, I remember, um, having friends that had trauma and abuse histories, um, I had a, a friend who had gone through sexual abuse mm. and um, and I remember thinking I, I could bring them to church, but I don't think that's going to help. Mm. Like the what's being offered at church is not going to help this thing. And and, you know, on some level, yes, like if you you know, I didn't know then, but like going to therapy and someone who specializes in trauma is important. But I also just had this spark of like, 
I want the church to be a place that has good news for people that have gone through trauma and abuse. Yes. And so I think that's really what led me is like, how do I follow my faith um, and want to be a part of a faith community that has a focus on people that have suffered the most? So I'm going to ask this question, and I don't mean to get us off track here, but I, I... I want to ask this, uh, was there someone, did you just figure this out? You know, here you are this young 20 something in college, or was there someone in your life that started calling out what they saw as strengths and gifts in you? That it's funny. Um, I have a, um, I, well, like, like you mentioned, you know, there's always a story and, um, if you've read my book, you know that I went through trauma, which I hadn't even recognized um, until after high school that knew to call it that. Um, but I, I have a not great relationship with my dad. Um, that being said, he was like, hey, what about, what about psychology? <laughs> And so um, he did see that and saw, you know, I think this would be a good field for you, um, which I'm really grateful to him mm-hmm. for. And, um, and then really, um, I pretty, you know, I, I went in that direction. And then I had an experience of working in this residential facility. So um, teenagers that were there for like a month because mostly because of, um, drug use, but sometimes because of, um, other, you know, severe anxiety. Um, and that was a really neat community, um, to, of, um, just people that poured into me. I worked under some licensed therapists. Um, and what was really neat is that, uh, there, there's a lot of um, energy and drama in that <laughs> setting. Uh, teenagers, um, you know, they don't have the filters that adults have. And so right. um, for I good feel like or that ill, really, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and I feel like that really prepared me to go into couples there because it's the same thing. It's, you know, that same, you know, just a lot of, you know, people get really escalated and agitated and, and how do you take all that emotion in the room and, and make sense of it. And I'm in Enneagram nine, if you're familiar with Enneagram. And so um, I did have people in my life that said, I, you know, it's just, it's really amazing to me to see you work and see the way that you can hold these different perspectives and help people understand each other. And so um, I think that was a really neat thing. And that's, I, I think um, what I enjoyed about this book is people have all these different attachment styles. They might not be my attachment style, but I want to say, hey, this makes sense. Let, yeah. Let's understand why you approach relationships this way. Oh, thank you. I, I'm so glad I asked that. That I think that's really helpful and gives us a, a real picture of your heart too. And mm-hmm. um, I always enjoy hearing that. So let's let's talk about um, your kind of, I don't know, um, admonition or your encouragement for those of us in each of these three um, attachment styles that you mentioned, what is, what is the hope for that person in anxiety attachment to move from that anxiety to what, I think it'd be helpful for us to hear, 
to be given a direction that we might turn toward. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So for that person with anxious attachment, my hope is to move into a place of, of being able to rest um, and, and to discover a spiritual life that is less white knuckling <laughs> and more um, being able to just, you know, sit down and rest and relax with God. Mm. And d- boy, anyone out there that knows their anxious attachment person doesn't just hearing that doesn't that feel good? D- don't you just want to relax your shoulders and lean into that? And of course, you know, in the book, you you go into greater depth. I mean, we can only do so much here on a podcast, but um, in attached to God, you you talk in depth about that. So, so what about, um, the, let's see the shutdown person that's uh, shut down attachment style. What, what are you encouraging them to, to move toward? Yeah. So this is that idea of, you know, I have to shut down my emotions to, to keep close to the people that I love. And so my hope for them, well, first of all, um, what I hear from people is like, well, this works fine for me. Why is this a problem? Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm well, fine. That, <laughs> but um, the, the, what I would say is, well, ask the other people in your life, if it's a problem. Yes. And, well, and the other thing I'll say is we, uh, I wrote a haiku during the pandemic. It's like shelter in place for introverts is like a treat. Uh, uh, until it isn't uh-huh. <laughs> right. And, and it's like, Oh yeah, this works for you until it doesn't. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's perfectly said. And also what we know is that um, people with a shutdown attachment style, it shows up somewhere. So you, you try to just ignore or suppress that emotion. Um, sometimes it comes out in being angry and irritable, but sometimes it's like back pain and high blood pressure. Um and so, but where I uh, engage with this most is, um, you know, I have one partner in my office that says, yeah, this is fine. And then other partners like, but I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I feel like there's this wall between us, um, but it can be really scary to be in that place of like, I, you know, I don't do the emotions thing. <laughs> I've never been good at it. Um, and so my hope would be to find someone for you to find someone safe that you can say, I'm bad at the emotions thing, uh, but here's what I might be feeling. And I wanted to share it with you. Well, I'm, I'm curious uh, if this is true of all of the uh, attachment styles, do you gravitate toward others who have your attachment style or um, I mean that I'm sitting here thinking it would be helpful to have friends and have relationships of people, other people who could draw you out or draw you forward or toward or whatever, whatever the language is. But um, are we drawn to those that are similar so that we don't have that or face that someone that'll draw us out? Right. Typically. Yes. And um, usually our partner. No. So (laughs) Um, a lot of times you have uh, that person that's really anxious partnered with a person that's uh, re- that is really shut down. Um, and there's, you know, books about that. Um, 
but in terms of friendships, yeah, you're going to gravitate towards um, that person that, you know, if you're most comfortable talking about the weather and sports and, um, you know, fixing things. Um, I know I'm, that's kind of gendered stereotype, but, you know, that's that those are the people that you're going to enjoy um, talking with. And and that's not a problem. Problem is when you are in that moment where you're struggling, you're stressed. Does it feel like I have to just handle this myself or can I reach out to the people around me and say, Hey, I, I'm struggling right now. I need some support. Um, yeah. And then to God, right. Same thing. Like God, you know, you can handle the, the fact that I feel worried right now. That doesn't yeah. mean that I don't have enough faith. That, thank you. That's so good. Great response to that. Um, and so, so what about um, uh, when we're in that shame um, attachment style. What, what do you hope that person moves toward? Yeah. So for that, I really would like, um, people to use now words to know their belovedness. Um, what we know is the core of, of that secure attachment is knowing that you're delighted in. And, um, and so, finding the relationships in your life. Um, you know, I, I want, my hope is that people get to that point to understand God delights in me. God really likes me. And, um, that being said, um, sometimes you have to find that person in your life that really likes you and, and say, well, maybe this is, maybe this is God saying, this is how I feel about you. I have a friend, um, He's uh, my dad's age. He's a gener- couple generations older. Um, but I remember this one time we, we we meet for coffee periodically. And he said, um, you know, I'm retired. Uh, I don't have anything going on today. I know you're busy. You have kids like, you know, you can you can take off whenever you need. No strings attached. I don't have any expectations. He's like, but I just any every time moment I get to spend with you is really nice and so um, I'm glad you're here but you know I also know that you um, have a busy life and if you need to take off that's fine too Mm. and I just can't imagine like a more generous picture of love Um, and so for when I was doing a lot of my (laughs) healing work I was like okay well if God likes me just a tenth of how much Mark likes me, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can use that as a base for, you know, starting to change my relationship with God. What a great story and what a great picture for us to carry with us too. I I love that. Hey, one of the things I wanted to mention before we wrap up our time together, um, you have some great, really great exercises at the ends of chapters in here. Um, questions, uh, maybe your things to write down journal, whatever sit with, I I mean, there's some really good stuff, which I guess I would expect maybe from a therapist. I don't know, but they, but not (laughs) everyone's good at that. And I think these are, um, excellent. I so appreciate that. And I wanted to let people know about it. Um, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's the therapist in me being like, well, what can I, what can I have you do this week? Yeah, there you go. Oh, so good. So I, I personally love that part of the book. Uh, what do you hope when, you know, when someone grabs a copy of Attached to God, what, what do you hope they 
walk away with from this? I think there are a handful of things, but the biggest thing that I hope for is that people can read it and, and say, oh yeah, this helps me put into words something that I didn't, didn't know how to talk about before. Like Mm. for like, it really was like a decade out of Bible college for me that I was able to name, oh, I actually feel anxious all the time. Like I'm, you know, a couple of steps away from losing my faith, but I didn't even have the words for that. Um, And I think what's important about that is that we can have a groundedness in ourselves to understand these emotions. The other thing is that we can have honest conversations with God. Um, And I I think about uh, C.S. Lewis saying one time um, how important it is to bring to God what is within us, not what ought to be within us. Um, And yeah. yeah, And so to, to, you know, be able to come to God and say, you know, it feels like if I'm worried or, or um, sad, you're going to think that's a problem and you're going to, you know, judge me for that. Um, And I need to know that it's okay. And just having those honest conversations with God, I find to be really helpful. Yes. You know, it's so funny. We can't see what we can't see, but it's like to see that, oh no, God created all of these emotions. The fact that we're experiencing them is actually expected and welcomed and, yeah, you know, but yeah. we don't see it until we see it. And people like you write about it and it helps us see. So, you know, you're, you're giving, um, I, I, I just coming out of the gospels, doing a, a study of Luke at my church and using Luke passages in Alexio Divina group that I lead. Um, I have been reminded of how many times Jesus intersects with blind people, but not all of them are mm-hmm. physically blind. And I just realized how many good books have helped me to see in my life. And here's another one that's been offered out into the world, Attached to God by Crispin Mayfield. Thank you so much for your time, for being on the podcast. Good stuff. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for bringing me on. It's been a lovely conversation. And to everyone else, as always, I say, keep the conversation going.